I want me some glory hope. To the Football Glory Hole Podcast. We listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, iCloud, or on iHeartRadio. We thank Agent Henry, Glory Hole Seeker, for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Bo Stevens, and I'm joined as always here on the Sports Patio by my good buddy Longhorn. Longhorn, what's up, buddy? All right, all right. Ooh, here we go, Bo Cephas. I am pumped up. This is episode number one of the season the first real football podcast of the season and i am i mean i couldn't be more excited i kind of feel like a guy that i don't know just served like six months in jail it's my first day out and the only thing that i could really think i mean you know when we when you go to jail there's three things you want not that i know holding tanks don't (laughs) fucking count holding tanks don't count but i can imagine the the three things you want are food money and a little honey and uh I, my belly is full i know we got some free picks coming up later to take care of that money and i gotta tell you buddy once i crack about three beers that mouth over there is looking pretty good so that might take <laughs> care of that <laughs> now whether you are here for the funny <laughs> oh, hilarious, hilarious. we're 10 hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out it's called having a sense of humor and laughing you should fucking try it once in a while. Or you are here for the money. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil, doesn't fucking have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. You have come to the right place. Two questions for you people. Do you like football? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. You ask a lot of stupid questions. What a stupid son of a bitch. My apologies, Mr. Presidents. I will do better. Do you like money? I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. That's right, Adam Sandler. That's exactly where we come in. And we have weekly, monthly, and yearly packages to fit your needs. Go to our website, thefootballgloryhole.com, and hit us up for those free picks, premium picks, and betting strategies so you can bet football the right way, the winning way, the football glory hole way. And as always, here on the sports patio, we got the TVs glowing. We got the beer heavily flowing tonight, and right now it is everybody's unfortunate favorite part of the show. My friend, tell the people all about your horrible, freaking disgusting cold beer hip choice of the week. Well, thank you very much there, sir, Longhorn. I just got back from Scotland where I logged a few new beers on my app. Mm-hmm. Uh, 73 different beers in 11 days to be exact. But That's tonight, nice. I am drinking a Paloozie from Edinburgh Beer Factory in Edinburgh, wow. Scotland. Love the Floozies. Yep. Love them. It's a Hellas Lager. It only got two out of five stars in the beer app, but I am drinking it tonight because... We are going to give a Palooza 
of information and free picks tonight on the podcast, as we always do in the preseason. And, boys and girls, quick fact about Scotland. The whores in Scotland are actually a revered part of their population. So much so, they call them brave cunts. Sorry? Brave cunts. Brave cunts. Yeah, that's what they call them. Brave cunts. Well, I'm a little confused. I don't know if you can help me out with this whole paloozy, faloozy issue here. <laughs> like, I, I was real excited for the floozies, not so much for the paloozies, but the fact that they call them brave cunts. Bravo to you, Scotland. Uh, you, are doing th- <laughs> you are doing things right over there. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, we need the podcast now. We are going to go over the NFC and AFC West tonight. This is our first of four preseason podcasts. We will go over two divisions each podcast. First two tonight, NFC, AFC West. We're going to give you best bets, of course, of course. Yeah. We're going to do that. And not only NFL, we got some college best bets for you, too, to get you paid. But right now, we got to get paid to do that. Here is this week's sponsor. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Vaginator 4000. Guys, everyone knows the older we get, the less inclined we are to do our marital duties. The problem with that is the older your lady gets, the more she tries to put the hustle on Russell, the one-eyed muscle. And to make matters worse, you know if you keep declining to launch your tuna torpedo, she's eventually going to go pud pounding around town. Now, most companies would want to sell you some drugs to enhance your libido or some such bullshit, but I'm here to tell you the problem isn't with you. It's that her baby-making parts are going fucking crazy! Well, if you want to keep your woman around, you better buy her the Vaginator 4000. The Vaginator 4000 isn't your standard sexual aid. It is a revolutionary new product that will satisfy your lady's juice box no matter what her preference is. Does she prefer external stimulation? It'll flick that bean like mean Joe Green, baby. Is she a fan of penetration? It's size adjustable, so she'll never feel like she's throwing a hot dog down a hallway. So, if your lady can't stop fiending for subpoenaing, she's constantly trying to chuck on your morning wood, God damn it, if nothing seems finer than a big old vagina miner, get her the Vaginator 4000. That's Vaginator 4000 for all your lady's needs. And hey, maybe she'll even shut up and let you watch the fucking game. Holy shit, Longhorn, that Vaginator 4000, uh, they've been with us for a few years now. And I got to tell you, the older I get, buddy, uh, the more tempted I am to buy that product to, you know, please the old lady friends there. Because, you know, man, unless you want to just stay on Viagra 24-7, you don't really have the energy Especially in this goddamn heat to just, you know, perform night after night like the thoroughbreds that we used to be. Yeah, and it sounds like when you go to a place like Scotland, you need like a Vaginator 40,000. I don't know. <laughs> 4,000 ain't enough, baby. <laughs> and girls it is time we're going to the nfc west first and of course we're going to start with the class of that division obviously those arizona fighting midget midget less cardinals i don't know all i do know is they went four and 13 last year strong uh over under (laughs) last year was nine way fucking under that way under that just missed it just miss it. This year, their over-under falls all the way down to four and a half, which is the lowest for Arizona since the year we started tracking this back in 2017. Even lower Longhorn than the year they bombed 
and got Kyler in the first place. So obviously uh-huh. Vegas having a huge, huge downgrade on the Cardinals this year. So what do you got on those fighting midgets? I like that symmetry right there with uh, what they did before and what I think they're going to do this year. Um, So what do you do with a team who doesn't want to win and doesn't have a roster that can win even if they did want to win? You know, to me, this is just it's a complete rebuild. It's it's a rebuild in the in the front office. It's a rebuild on the field. Uh, So, you know, they're. If you are doing a refill, which all signs point to they are, you do exactly what they did in the draft, trading back a couple times, picking up future uh, first-round picks. There's a chance if they play their cards right and they don't Houston this thing uh, up like Houston did last year, winning that, <laughs> winning that last game, that there there is a legitimate ch- chance that they could have the number one and number two overall pick, uh, which I believe that, that did happen before. I didn't write it down, but I, wasn't it like the Redskins one year had the – First no, they had the, uh, I think they ended up with two and three. Okay. I bet it's happened before. I, I should have looked it up. But anyways, if they play it right, they certainly will have two picks in the top five more than likely. Um, now, as, as far as as far as this draft goes, or as far as this roster goes, excuse me, there's not a lot to like at all. Uh, now, they did draft Don't Paris. <laughs> they did draft Paris Johnson in the first round uh, uh, with that trade back. If you are doing a rebuild, what do you start with? You start with a foundational left tackle. Uh, so so that that points to a, a real rebuild there as well. Now, there's been rumors with Tyler. Is he coming back early? Is he not? Again, I don't know. He tore his ACL late in the season. There's really no reason to come back. I don't know why they would. I don't know why he would. He's almost definitely going to be traded in the offseason when they uh, – have a top pick and they draft one of these quarterbacks coming out. Uh, but that's TBD because, you know, really, really, we don't know that we don't have a crystal ball. So, you know, we'll see what they do with that. Going to the defensive side of the ball, it is maybe one of the worst rosters on the defensive side of the ball that I've ever seen. The only uh, group, position group that I can even point to that I'm like, okay, that's either not that bad or, you know, at least on the average level to slightly above average are the safeties, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Other than that, this is a shit this, this is a shit show. It's it, you got players out of position. You know, I've talked about it last year with Zayvon Collins. They drafted him. He's a middle linebacker. They're forcing to play outside linebacker. They drafted uh um oh my gosh, what's his name? The, oh Isaiah Simmons. They drafted him out of Clemson. He was a linebacker who they tried to force to play linebacker. He's not a linebacker. They've actually moved him, Bosevis, to slot corner. And turns out he's a fantastic slot corner, which he did a little bit of that in college. But outside of that is a garbage roster, a team that does not want to win, a front office that does not want to win. Uh, yeah, I guess we're doing records later, but they're not going to be good. No, give, go ahead and give your prediction. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got them. Uh, I got them four and thirteen, so easily at the bottom of this uh, division. All right, so 4-13, went 4-13 last year. A little betting perspective. Last year, even though they went 4-13, 8-9 ATS, so you lost 1.9 units on them if you were betting them. And in the Cliff Kingsbury, Coach Bro fucking era, you pretty much lost your ass betting the Cardinals. They were 6-10 in 2020 ATS, 10-8 plus 1.2 units in 21, and then minus 1.9 last year, so... 
Not a good team to be backing ATS, no matter uh, what the situation is. But we're talking overall wins here. So in 2022, Arizona scored 340 points. They gave up 449 on defense. So that equals a little bit above four wins, right around 4.5. That's what Vegas is got the mats are telling you they're expecting the same from them. So I did a little research on that. Since 2017, there's only been one team to score more than 341 points and only win four games or less, and that was that 2020 Texans team, which if you remember Longhorn, Watson had that like MVP top year, but they just couldn't fucking beat anybody. For whatever reason, it was a you know just really an outlier there. Uh, I mean, with or without the circus midget, I I mean, like you said, the roster is such garbage. I can't see them scoring any more than 340 points. And on the flip side of that, you know, they gave up 449. Well, they've lost their two best pass rushers. So JJ Watt led them in sacks at a at 100 years old or however old he was. And then their other, I don't know. I can't remember the name. The other young guy, they let him go. He signed somewhere else. He he was second on the team in sacks. So the points allowed can only really get worse. So looking at the schedule, I honestly can only see one win in the first two months. Mm. Their dogs in all 17 games this season, according to the Westgate Superbook, look ahead lines. Um... So, overall, to get over the four and a half, I think it comes down to three games. Uh, It's at Houston, at Chicago, and home versus Seattle. All three of those are late in the year. If they can win two out of those three, they have a shot at five wins. But I'm with you. I don't see the motivation late in the year that will be there. Unless, like you said, they pull a fucking Houston, the midget comes back, and he's trying to prove something. That's really the only chance that they have, but even with that, you know, I, I don't think that they have the firepower to do it. So I'm actually with you. I'm going four and thirteen as an official record and under the four and a half. So that's where I got the Cardinals landing. Yep. That's uh that's much lower than the nine and seven wins we had for them last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, we're gonna move on to those L.A. Rams, 5-12 and 12 last year. What a disappointment. Well under the 10.5 that was their overrunner last year. And Longhorn, you and I were on the Stafford thing from week one. We saw on that Thursday night versus Buffalo and immediately knew his arm was fucking toast. This year, big, big downgrade from Vegas. Over under set at 6.5. They are only favored in two games, but four of them, four games are they are dogs within a point or a pick them. So, Longhorn, what do you got on the Rams? Yeah, this is, the Rams are maybe the most fascinating team for me this year. Uh, certainly in, in these divisions that we're doing today. Um, it, it's projected that there could be 20 to 25 rookies make this 53-man roster. There's 40 rookies in their camp right now. 40. Uh, last time I checked, Bo Cephas, you can you only pick about, I don't know, 10, 12, if, if you do a bunch of trade downs, which I think I think they actually selected maybe 13. I don't have the number, but yeah. Fuck them lot. picks. There is a lot of 
rookies that weren't even good enough to get drafted in this camp, and there's going to be upwards of 20-something that actually make the roster. Now, outside of that, you've got absolute star players like Aaron Donald and you know and Stafford and and uh, and Cup, and and then you've got proven talents like you know somewhat proven talents like uh, Tyler Higby and Cam Akers and and. That's about it, actually. That about that about run, <laughs> about sums all that up. But the point being, what an interesting mix of completely unproven and and some really uh, legit uh, uh, players. Now, so this so this is all going to just come down to what can uh, the coaching staff do with all this young talent. Now they're much more experienced and have better type of player and talent on the offensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball is you know in this league clearly more um you know it it pulls more weight so with that said certainly early in the year especially if stafford is healthy and cup is healthy i know he got dinged up a little bit already in camp we'll see how that plays out i think you know it's gonna be a lot of shootouts um but i think they they might be able to hang in some games and pull out some wins that maybe you think they shouldn't. I mean, you said the over-under is, is six and a half, so it's not like anybody's expecting anything great from this team. But I'm going to, I guess, well, I guess I was going to sit here and say, no, I will. I'm, I'm going to put them at seven and nine. I'm, I was going to go six and 11. Means yeah, seven six, and 10. Seven and 10, sorry. Yeah, the numbers are still fucking me up. But I'm going to go seven and 10. I'm going to give just the nudge to... And I'm probably going to regret this. The nudge to the coaching staff that is a Super Bowl type coaching staff, and a nudge to some some of the you know Hall of Fame type players, and just cross my fingers that they don't get hurt early in the season. They can you know push their way to seven seven wins, which is which is terrible. It's not it's not good. You're not winning anything, so I don't know what the, what the gain is there. But that's what I'm gonna have it at seven and ten for those Rams. What do you got? Yeah, I've, a lot of the same kind of a. Uh thoughts that you had so last year ats 6 10 and 1 so you lost five units if you bet them every game they weren't very good but a little interesting nugget here 62 and a half percent to the under there so definitely underperform and here's why they scored only 307 points last year yeah. that's pretty injuries. awful boys and girls a lot of injuries and they gave up 384, a little bit below average, not that bad. Now, that should have equaled to six wins. They only won five, so they did get a little bit of the bad luck factor there, which means they should be having some regression mm-hmm. back to the positive. And that happens both ways in the NFL, and usually you get the regression back to the mean the next year. So that's good for them. Now, the last year Stafford was healthy with this team, they scored 460 points, and they won the Super Bowl. Now... I don't expect that to happen, but I do expect them to score more points this year with a healthy Stafford. So I do expect them to win more games. The problem with that is, though, they gave up 384 points, and their defense wasn't awful, 19th overall, but they were below average. And now they only have back three starters on that defense. And the only part of their defense that was above average was the run defense, and that was mainly because of Ashawn Robinson, who PFF consistently grades as one of the elite uh, interior linemen versus the run. Well, he's gone. So now the over-under is set at 6.5. Vegas is expecting them to score around 335 and give up 404. 
So uptick on the offense, downgrade on the defense. I do agree with both parts. However, like you, I think that uh, with a refocus McVay, because he was thinking about retirement and this and that before, you know, last season, I think we do get a resurgence here from the Rams offense. I'm going to put them, I project them in the 370 point range. And that puts them between seven and nine wins. I'm going to split the difference, and I'll say eight and nine officially for me for the Rams. Eight and nine. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's there some things to like on offense if they're healthy. Like they're not. They're not. They're going to be actually really good on offense if, if if they're healthy and that that guard they drafted out of TCU in the in the uh, first round. It was either first or second. I don't remember. They usually don't have first round picks, so that that throws me off. But their, their top pick, if he clicks at left guard and comes in there and they're humming, they're t- take the over. <laughs> take the over in the Rams game to start the year. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. All right, moving on. Those San Francisco 49ers, 13-4 last year. God damn over-under was 10. They flew by that shit. This year, the over-under is set at a very healthy 11. Now, they are favored in 15 out of 17 games on the preseason look ahead from the Westgate. So, Longhorn, what do you got on those 49ers? Yeah, this is my shortest write-up of, of the uh, – it's funny, I was kind of going through my, my write-ups here, and the teams that I, I don't know, kind of kind of don't like, I have, for whatever reason, have some of the longest write-ups and teams that you know are really good. It's like, eh, they're fucking good. I mean, what do you want me to say about this? They're, they're real – they have one of the best rosters in football – uh, and and I don't really expect any dip from them at all unless there's two areas. There's two question mark areas, and both can be explained away by the awesome coaching staff, and that's fine. If that happens, they're going to win another 13 games. However, I have to mention them to start the year because we don't know yet. The offensive line has been steadily on a decline over the last three or four years. And it might start showing its ugly little face um, at some point. So, you know, across the board, you're looking at players PFF, PFF ranked in the 50s and 60s outside of, you know, uh, Williams at left tackle, who is always, you know, the top tackle in the league. However, he's, I mean, he just gets a year older every single year. So at some point you've got to maybe expect that, I don't know, he's top 10 instead of the number one overall. Um, so, point being, that could be a problem area. However, like I said, the coaching staff is really good at, at scheming these things up, uh, getting these these, uh, these no-names kind of plugged in and, and up to speed. The other question mark is quarterback. You know, kind of a big one. I don't know. I hear quarterback is an important <laughs> part of the team. So, you got Purdy coming off of, you know, the uh, Tommy John or whatever the fuck he had. You got... Trey Lance, a complete big cock, Brock. You, you got Trey Lance. What's the nickname on on Trey? Uh, never seen him. Yeah, it's it's uh, it never never wears football pants. Trey Lance, I don't know. Like he's he's never there. <laughs> he's he's always in regular street clothes pants. So <laughs> that's the best I can do on the fly. You got Trey Lance question mark and uh, a lot of buzz coming out of camp about fucking Sam Darnold. Uh, and the coaching staff really liking him. So, point being, the entire roster, I'm not going to waste everybody's time. It's fucking awesome. They filled holes with free agency beautifully on every hole that they had. They just filled it beautifully 
with draft and, um, and, and free agency. So it's all going to come down to the, how, can the offensive line come together as a unit and who the fuck is going to start and play quarterback for this team. But I will, I will uh, tip my cap to this organization and this coaching staff, and I put them at – what did I put them at? I got them 12-5. and five. All right, 12-5. and five. So Longhorn's going over there. All right, so a little ATS history. Uh, Shanny's definitely coach you want to back last four years. 11-7-1, 7-9, dipped there, minus 2.9 units. But then 12-8 and eight, and then 13-7 and seven last year. So you are winning – Fucking money if you just lay it on San Francisco every fucking week, ATS. However, if you look at the O-Runners, here's where you don't want to bet. Last four years, 50-50, 50-50, 40-60, 50-50. So don't bet the totals against San Francisco because they land exactly where everybody thinks they're going to land. And here's another example of that. So last year they scored 450 points. They gave up 277, which is fucking excellent. And that, that equals... To winning 13 games, and that's exactly what the fuck they did. So, no regression luck, bad or good or indifferent there. Now, their schedule is Jekyll and Hyde. On one hand, they get three of the top four teams on their schedule at home. So, they get Dallas, Cincy, and Baltimore. On the flip side of that, this whole division this year gets nine road games versus eight. So, it goes, if you guys don't remember... One year you get nine, one year you get eight, since we had the 17-game schedule. It goes by division, so it's this division's turn to get nine road games. I thought it goes by conference. Uh, you might be right. Yeah, I think it's conference. But so anyways, the, so they, get, they get nine, nine road games versus eight, uh, and five of those nine are on the East Coast, so that's a lot of fucking frequent mm. flyer miles, including <laughs> at Philly. But... Shanny has shown that he has the ability to handle that. Uh, he has a spot that they stay on the East Coast to kind of lessen the impact on the players. And, you know, all the players think it's like a second camp. Gives them a lot of camaraderie. They really love that. And his record speaks for himself. Since 2019, since he's been there, they are 11-14 and 14 straight up in the Eastern time zone. So he knows how to get it done. I'm not scared of that. At the end of the day, like you said, it, it does depend on the quarterback. I do expect him to be fine, even Sam Darnold. I mean, if fucking Brock Purdy can go out there and win games, Sam Darnold can come out there and win games. Let's be honest. Uh, if you didn't watch Brock Purdy play at Iowa State in college, it was a lot of fun to watch, especially not. He's a lot of fun to bet in October. That's why I called him Brocktober, because for whatever reason, he just always covered in October. But for the most part, He's got a lot of good, and he's got a lot of fucking bad. A lot like Sam Darnold, so he'll be fine. And the bottom line is, defense travels, and that's what they hang their hat on. So even the off- even if the offense regresses, which I do expect it to do, since 2019, the only year they didn't score 400 points or more was 2020. And that's the year they used 900 different fucking quarterbacks, and they still, they still scored 376, which is above average. So I got them projected right at 400, um, which with their defense, that's going to land them between 11 and 12 wins. I'll go conservative just because, you know, Sam Dumbface Darnold is out there. I don't know how long he'll play, but I'll go 11 and 6 officially with the push. 11 and 6. All right. All right. Moving on, those Seattle Seahawks. 9 and 8 last year. Their over-under was 6. They beat us. 
Fuck you very much, Geno Smith. <laughs> They're over under this year is nine, so big upgrade from Vegas. Uh, and they are favored in nine out of 17 games this year. So, Longhorn, what do you got on those fucking Seahawks? Well, I can tell you this is my biggest write-up, um, which that tells me that I either like this team more than I should or uh, there's just a lot to like about this team. Uh, so let me just get into it. This offense, this offense is just ready to go. It's just it's, it's just a – what an interesting blend of styles that this team has, has drafted and built – to do on offense. Uh, obviously, they invested heavily into the running back positions the last two years in the draft, taking Kenneth Walt- Walker a couple years ago. And he had a fantastic rookie season, cut short a little bit by injury. And then they backed it up in the second round this year and took Zach Charbonnet out of out of UCLA. So they, they kind of got those hammers there in the running game, which is traditional I'm for More of a Malo guy. Malo. What is that? You said Chardonnay? Oh, yeah. You're doing wine jokes now. When, yeah, when you know, why not? It's when you know I don't drink, when you know I mean, can you, give me a give me a natty light joke, and it's, <laughs> it'll make it easier for me to to, to stay along. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, they've got the hammers, the offensive line. Oh, by the way, is it when it comes to drafting, they're they're in the top five. Like if you just track the you know with Baltimore, people always talk about Baltimore, and they're they're very good at drafting. There's a lot of teams that are really really good at drafting. Uh, throw Seattle right there in that bucket as one of the better drafting teams in the NFL. Last year, they took Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross with the first and third round pick. Oh yeah, two starting tackles. That happens all the time in the NFL. Uh, so they're just they're going in their second year, uh, looking to build on what they had. The interior offensive line, you know, they've got just workmen like people in there. Um, and then, by the way. We talked about the running game, the smash-mouth football that, that they clearly are built to do. What do they do? Well, now they have maybe the best three-wide receiver set in football. I, I don't know if you can go – if you can find better than Metcalf, Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, as a, assuming he works out and, you know, it, all everything in camp you hear about is he's tearing up and he's, he's looking exactly like – he should look, which is another like Amon St. Brown type type player. I challenge you to find a better three receiver set than that to go along with this Smash Mouth football. Like they're set up. Like like Geno Smith, but long story short, Geno Smith and this offense is ready to go. Uh Geno's had his ups and downs, but at this point he's like 39 years old or whatever he is. He's like he he is what he is, but with this team, kind of like a Dak. This is this is good enough. You when you have the talent that Geno has and the experience that Geno has in this league, this offense is good enough to win. Now go to the other side of the ball. Um, there's some there's some things I really like. There's some things that I, that lead to you know it's, it's, it, it needs work. Uh, let's start with the really good part, the secondary. My God, they, you know talk about drafting. They took Tariq Wollin in the fifth round last year. I think he was. Uh, right behind Sauce Gardner as uh, you know the top cornerback and rookie cornerback, and then they backed it up and took Devin Witherspoon this year with the first uh, pick in the draft at cornerback uh, to go along with Quadri Diggs, who seems to you know, I think he's been playing for like 19 years and and always steady. He's drafted in 1988. Yeah, and uh, they brought in Julian Love from the Giants, a free agent signing, just kind of like a steady. Uh, you know, safety slash cornerback, like, like they they're solid in the back end. 
They brought in Bobby Wagner to pair up with Jordan Brooks at the stack linebacker position. That's a really, really good stack linebacker position, uh, assuming Bobby Wagner is, is still what he always has been. And he graded really high last year, so there's no reason to, to assume that he's going to completely fall off. Now we get into the problem area with uh, with the defense. And really the only problem area that I can see on this whole freaking team, and that's the front defensive line. Um, they brought in Draymond Jones, paid him a lot of money. They're expecting big things out of him. He's okay. You know, he, he's going to give you kind of what he can give you. But what they really need to hit and, and the, what can really send this team from kind of a, you know, 9-10 win team to really pushing San Fran to win this division is a Boye Mafe who they drafted last year in the second round, and uh, like a Daryl Taylor who they drafted in 2020. Like they need one of these young, a Derek Hall they took this year in the second round. Again, a bunch of young, good draft picks that they that throwing darts at. If they can get one of those guys to pop and give you ten, you know that, that double digit sack, man. This this oh, and I haven't mentioned Jamal Adams. You know why? Because he doesn't play. <laughs> he's in the secondary. He's still listed as a safety, but we all know that he's not. So that can add to your pass rush ability because that's really the only thing that he can kind of do. He's a box linebacker slash defensive end. Pretty sure uh, I saw him listed as fullback. <laughs> whatever. He can still impact the game if you play him the right way. However, safety is not what he can play. So long story short, I really like this roster. I liked it surprisingly more than I than I thought I would going in. But I do have them at nine and eight. What'd you say the over under is? It's nine, so that'd be a push. Okay, yeah. So I got I got them at nine and eight. But you know, we, we, we can't we, we don't do caveats. But if they get one of these these uh, pass rushers to hit 10, 12 sacks, that could easily push to 10, 11 wins. So I'm a, I'm gonna go nine and eight. All right, this is the first one we're kind of a, a little apart on, and not much, but a little bit. It's fine. So. Little ATS resets, uh, which I'm not even gonna go through the last years. That was with Russell Wilson, obviously. So last year, 7-11 ATS, you lost your ass if you bet on them. I know because I had them in the super contest a couple of times, and they mm-hmm. fucked me real good. So mm-hmm. not good against expectations. And here's kind of the reasons why. Well, I'll start with. You know, they lost 125 starts from last year, most of those on the defense, which on a defense that stunk anyway, 26 in the league. But they still won nine games and went to the playoffs. So even if they stink again, I don't think it would have mattered too much as long as the offensive production keeps up. Now, they scored 407 last year and allowed 401. So basically, they were an 8-8-1 team. They got the coin flip, got their win for number nine. So no regression really there, either way from the luck factor. It's 50-50. That's fine. But I do think that they hit their head on their ceiling offensively last year, mostly because their quarterback's dumb-faced Geno Smith. And I don't expect any improvement from their defense, so I can't really go any higher than nine. So basically, what, were they on, what were they on defense last year? 26th. There's no way to... <laughs> yeah, they, they stuck. Got- they got like six new starters. What do you mean you can't expect any any improvement? <laughs> I, I don't expect any improvement. They're six new starters that aren't proven. I mean, I mean, if you're right and they and they all hit, I guess. But I mean, Bobby Wagner, Draymond Jones. Bobby Wagner is a thousand years old, and Literally. and and graded out like ninety. He's still fucking awesome. Okay, 
Well, we'll see, but I don't expect their defense to be any better. I actually, actually, I do expect their defense, I'll get to in a sec, to be a little bit better. But I don't expect any more offensive production. Geno Smith hit his head on the ceiling last year. You saw it over the last four games, four or five games of the season. Their fucking production declined, 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 declined. And that's just because, I mean, people figure that shit out. But anyway, another reason why... Uh, I'm a little bit down in Seattle this year. They have nine road games again versus eight of last year. Now, last year, this is more this is more effective on them because last year they only went three and five on the road, which is usually what happens to teams with shitty defenses and jag quarterbacks. And they didn't have a single East Eastern uh, time zone game last year, which is huge to Seattle because it's the fucking furthest place to travel to this year. They have three of those. And other than San Francisco, who, of course, they get a home-and-home home with, four out of the top five teams with projected uh, winning records are on the road on their schedule. They're at Detroit. They're at Cincy. They're at Baltimore. They're at Dallas. And they suck on the fucking road. So you might as well line that up as four losses. They are the only team to get – and oh, so the only team of their top five – uh, people they play is Philly at home, and Philly could beat them on the fucking moon, so there's no advantage there. So with an over-under of nine, Vegas has them scoring around 404, defense giving them around 370. You know, I I can see some of the improvement on defense, but rarely does a team that hit their offensive ceiling as they did maintain that and definitely don't improve it. So last year they scored 404. Or scored 407. Vegas, by the math, has them scoring around 404. I'm going to say they – I got them projected scoring 370 and giving up 400, which is an improvement from last year. That puts them at 8-9, and nine, and I'll take that officially as my record, 8-9 and nine and the under. We have our first major – Disagreement, uh, which you know that's, that's you normal. can't argue with that schedule. They suck on the fucking road, and all no. the, all their hardest teams are on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the schedule part is is completely legit. I'm, I, I'm not gonna argue that at all. Uh, however, I will seriously push back on the roster. Like that's, that's you know, and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't even count San Fran. Like I didn't even count San. They have six teams on their schedule with projected winning records, and San Fran I didn't count because they get a home and home. So. Split the argument. Let's say they split it. Who cares? And the other, the only other team that they don't play on the road, they get at home is Philly. Philly's going to kick the shit out of them anyway. So, well, I know this. They, they're not going to. This is a team that you know, if they stay healthy, people are not going to want to play this team. I mean, like you talk about, you don't think they're going to be any better on offense? I mean, good God, they they brought in one of the better receivers in the draft. Backed up the running back position when when and when Walker went out, they really struggled when he went out. So I don't know, man. Like, it, it, I, you know, Gino can Gino, and he can make me look bad. They could they could win six or seven games because Gino just doesn't. You know, he takes a, a step back and just doesn't. Uh, he doesn't even have to take a step back. He he can he hit his head on. See, he could be exactly the same. You can't be exactly the same. If how do you how do you stay exactly the same with better weapons? Because he's Geno fucking Smith, you can't like. That's like asking well, if like oh doesn't Dak doesn't Dak score more as an offense when they get better weapons and doesn't he slow no, down? No, actually their their production's pretty much. I'll, we'll get that when we get the NFC East, but their production's been very fucking steady. 
pretty much ever ever since he got over the like his his sophomore slump or whatever, they've been very fucking steady. They've been one of the number one offenses in the league pretty much the whole time he's been there. That's fine. Maybe I could be wrong, but like I I look at this offense and I didn't even bring up Noah Fant. I mean, like that's that's just a you know another little piece. Well, of there's offense. a reason for that. Yeah, he's not. He's been very underwhelming, but still <laughs> he's there. So like, fine. I'll. I'll I'll I will put it out there that, and I'm not saying that you're wrong overall. I mean, I could, I could easily see him going nine and eight again, but just the schedule alone, that extra that extra road game, and the fact of who the road games are against, that is why. That's really the only. I mean, I really expect them to be basically the same team as they were last year, but last year, like I said, they should have went eight eight and one. They went nine and eight. Cool, you won the coin flip. This year, maybe you lose the coin flip and you go eight and nine. Like that's, I mean, that's basically who they are. You're not going to get any better when your fucking quarterback's Geno Smith. Like you are what, like you said, he's 39 years old or whatever he is. You are what you are. You are what you are. Yeah. All right. We got first big disagreement. That's cool. That's fun. That's what makes it fun. Yes, sir. That is what makes it fun. That's why we do preseason podcasts in the first place. That and to make you guys some money. So recap the NFC West. Here's my recap. I've got San Francisco winning the division at 11-6. and six. That's a push. Uh, Seattle, 8-9. and nine. That is uh, slightly to the under. The Rams, 8-9. and nine. That is over by quite a bit. And then Arizona, 4-13. That is half a game under their uh, Vegas total. Yep, and I have San Fran winning the division at 12-5. and five. I actually, uh, because I hate all the stupid words that you were saying, I bumped up <laughs> Seattle to 10-7. 10-7 for Seattle. Uh, put the Rams at third at 7-10, and 10, and Arizona running up the rear at 4-13. and 13. All right, boys and girls, now we are going to move on to the AFC West. Our Longhorn in that AFC West, we're going to start with those Denver Broncos. 5-12 last year. What the fuck happened? Well under that over-under of 10 that Vegas set out for them last year. Vegas downgrading them. Yo, this year, 8.5 is the over-under. Now, new coach, Sean Payton, head coach. That's a big change. The Longhorn, what do you got on those Broncos? Yeah, five and twelve. What happened? I, Russell Wilson probably got hurt last year. That's that's clearly what happened. I don't remember, so we'll, we'll just skip it over <laughs> that. Uh, now, listen, the storyline obviously with this team is can Peyton come in and fix Russell Wilson? That's the, that's what the media is going to be talking about. I actually don't really see it that way, and let me explain. The way the way this when I dug into this roster, I, I knew I liked Denver, you know, with with Peyton coming in there before looking at you know digging into rosters. I knew I liked it, but digging in, I, I turns out I love it, and here's why. When when Russell was successful, you know, we think about with, with Peyton, like, oh man, if he can if he can get like that Drew Brees type productivity out of Russell, then they're going to be good again. No, no, that's not the way I'm thinking. I'm thinking they and the way the roster's built. I'm thinking. Let's make Russell more like what he was in Seattle. And when he won in Seattle, they had a good, strong running game, good offensive line, and a great defense. And don't look now, but that's kind of what they built. Let cook! <laughs> no, Russell, you're not going to cook. You're going to more like be like a waiter. You're going to kind of like you're going to kind of like serve here and there. But <laughs> yeah, put put take your apron off and just go go, go grab a tray and, and serve some shit. Like that's kind of what this looks like. They brought in. 
They brought in McGlinchey, the right tackle from San Francisco. They brought in Ben Powers, the left guard from Baltimore. They they already drafted Cush, uh, Cushenberry and Miners in previous drafts, and, and Bowles is a, is an outstanding left tackle that they've already had. This offensive line is looking really good. It's looking really strong. Obviously, the you know the running back situation uh, with Javante Williams. They drafted him. He went healthy. He looks really good. Uh, the receivers, you know. Uh, He's having a hard time cooking and getting the ball to him. But, again, if you're a running offense and a, and you rely on your defense, you don't need all-stars at every position. And But, by the way, they still have Sutton, Judy. Um, I know Patrick got hurt. Let me click on their depth chart. I know Patrick got hurt again. That's the second in a row he's out for the year. But they drafted Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma in the second round. He's going to fill in just nicely right there uh, for a, th- a nice three-receiver set. And, by the way, they, they brought in Marquez Callaway from New Orleans, who the last time he had a big, you know, relatively big season for a fourth receiver was when he was with Sean Payton. So I'm not worried at all about the receivers. And, again, this is a running uh, offense. Defense. Well, it was awesome last year. And there's no reason to think it's going to change at all. As a matter of fact, they added to some spots that they needed. In the draft and in free agency, they brought in Zach Allen from Arizona. One of the one of Arizona's, you know, that was the the, the defensive end you were trying to think about earlier was was Zach Allen, and uh, Denver brought him over. Uh, they obviously they got Randy Gregory, who, who you know when when he's healthy, he does rush the passer. Super Bowl. <laughs> they they drafted Drew Sanders, uh, inside linebacker, in the third round, and they drafted a white. Yes, I said white. Cornerback Riley Moss. Fail. Uh, and no, he's uh, a freaking. <laughs> he, he's one of my. That was one of my favorite players in the draft. I love him. He, that is. He a, works really hard. Nope. He's a, he's a good no, guy. Nope. Nope. That's not him. He's a, he's a ball hawking. He is a ball hawking cornerback. So I look for him to, to crack this uh, starting line uh, starting lineup at some point. Not there's not a lot to not love about this Denver team. Uh, and, and what they built and the style that they're going to play, it's going to look more like the Seattle Super Bowl teams than than imagining like what Sean Payton had with his teams in New Orleans. Uh, so I love this team. I've got them. I've got them winning ten games, easily going over the eight and a half. Love everything they're doing. All right. Well, last year uh, again, we won't go through anything else because that's when Russ was cooking. And they went seven and ten ATS with a five and twelve record. Means salt. Means salt. A little salt, but you know what? Seven and ten with a five and twelve record, not bad. You lost four units though. If you bet on every game, however, uh, one good call you could have made since he was so shitty at scoring the ball, sixty four point seven percent to the under last year. Now I don't think that that will continue. Uh, last year, they only scored 287 points. That is fucking putrid. <laughs> they gave up 359. Uh, that's right on a 5-12 and 12 projection, which is exactly where they fucking landed. So, no luck regression there either way. Now, this year, they only... So, I think you are right about the conference. They only have eight road games compared to nine. And... Uh, <laughs> They have one of the last true three-point home field advantages in the league, so that is huge for them to get that extra home game. Yeah. Now, last year they were one and five in division. They will improve on that, no doubt. They got swept by the goddamn Raiders, first of all. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. God. 
they probably return the favor this year. And if you look at their schedule, the games that they are supposed to lose, they are in the toughest spots on the schedule, which is great because that's what you want. You want the games you want to, you're supposed to lose to be in very tough spots. They get their short week. Everybody gets a short week. Everybody has to play a Thursday game. They get their short week, the Thursday night game, at KC, which is a game they're not likely to win anyway, so fantastic. And then they get KC at home the week before their bye two weeks later, which they will be dogs in that game and home dogs before the bye, 25-15 and 15 since 2020 ATS and since 2012 32 and 22 if you're a home dog in division before the buy ATS and that's 59% covering but more importantly to this point 36 and 19 straight up which is 65.5% so they get Casey in the exact two spots they want to short week supposed to lose anyway at home before a buy you're supposed to win that game so great fucking spots against their toughest team obviously they have to play twice so from one and five, they should be able to flip that pretty easily to four and two. And then after their bye, they go to Buffalo, which they will be a road dog, and road dogs after the bye since 2019. 37 to 26 ATS. Now that doesn't mean that they will win straight up, but who cares? They are probably aren't winning that game anyway. Now, they are favored in eight out of 17 games, but two of those games are pick'em, which if you look at the games, those are. I'll say right now they'll probably be favored in those eventually. So that's really 10 out of 17. That's a nine-win projection from Vegas as far as the game-by-game by game by spread. Again, the over-under is 8.5, so Vegas is playing pretty close to the vest there. Now, Sean Payton, for his career in New Orleans, averaged 420 points a season with the very white version of Russell Wilson. So if you give them 400 points a season, which I don't think is a stretch at all, I think it's way conservative considering, you know, he gets one more game at home and one more game than he did while he was in New Orleans. So, again, that 420 was only with 16 games. So, 400 points becomes way, way uh, conservative at that point. And even even if the defense regresses a tad, which I don't think they will, but even if they do, let's say they do regress a tad, project them at 370 points, you're looking at a nine-win projection there. I'm a bit more optimistic than that. Uh, I actually have them winning 10 games also, so I'm going to go 10-7 and seven officially on Denver. I saw I saw a stat that last year in the first 10 games, like before the quit sets in and you know your season's kind of over, especially on defense. You know, defense can only go so long carrying a shitty offense. But before the quit set in, in the first 10 games, if the offense had just averaged 18 points, Denver would have been 9-1. and one. So that is absolutely a true fact. So, I mean, I mean, they they're, lost they're, some tough ones. They're so close. Like, I mean, this roster, this, I'll say this, this roster, if you take quarterbacks of the four teams in this division, if you take quarterbacks out and you're just evaluating rosters, this is number one. Okay. Now, now take coaches with Peyton and Reed and, uh, you don't, you don't even need to mention yeah, the other two. Nothing about, so, like, Peyton and Reed are very close. You know, so, like, it, it's, it's really it's going to all come down to can Russ just be a just a serviceable quarterback like he was in Seattle when they were making those runs. 
Yeah, and I think he can, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm high on Denver. I'm high. I'm high in the Rockies, baby. Mile high in Denver. I love it. Rocky Mountain high. All right, moving on to those Los Angeles Superchargers. Uh, Ten and seven for them last year. That was a push on their over under of ten. I think that we got a ten and a half. I can't remember. No, no, no. We didn't bet them last year. So over under ten. A uh, slight downgrade this year from Vegas of runners set at nine and a half. So Longhorn, tell us about your Chargers. I actually didn't do a write-up on the Chargers, not because I forgot, but just because I know this roster so well. And to be perfectly honest with you, not a lot has changed with this roster. Um, they obviously brought in the uh, offensive coordinator from Dallas, and that's a, that's a huge change with the team. <clears throat> but as far as rosters go... Kind of the same. It's it's you know much of the same um, on offense. Now, however, on offense they will have at least to start the year a healthy offensive line. Rashawn Slater's back. He missed most of the year last year. They did draft Zion Johnson and Jameer Sawyer last year, who both started as as rookies. Sawyer had to play right tackle because they had so many injuries. He's sliding in at right guard, his more natural position. Uh, Zion Johnson started all year last year left guard. They brought in Corey Lindsley from uh, Green Bay as a center. He's been fantastic, and uh, and they you know there's a question mark at, at right tackle. But honestly, if you've got four out of five offensive line positions that are that are good to all pro, somewhere on that on that range, you're doing really fucking well. Uh, they brought in they drafted Quinton Johnson, wide receiver from TCU, to kind of you know we know Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are one or both going to get hurt at different times of the year. You just kind of hope it's not any kind of season-ending type injury, but that does give you a really nice depth there just in case that does happen. Um, you know, Eckler, Eckler's back, so nothing's really changed. Gerald Everett's back at tight end. They're healthy. They added a wide receiver piece. They're ready to fucking rock on offense. It's just going to come down to Herbert, and I'll get into that later. Now, on defense, more of the same. Not a lot's changed. They're still weak up the middle. They still completely ignored the rush defense. I don't get it. But uh, fuck them defensive tackles. But here's the deal: digging into a lot of these teams, and I've done all the rosters. That seems to be a theme. Like, like I didn't mention it, but like, if you're gonna nitpick uh, on Denver's defense, they don't give a shit about the defensive tackles. It's journeymen. It's just bodies. It's. It, this seems to be a theme in the NFL. That's why if you can, the teams that can find an Aaron Donald or you know your your other star defensive tackles, God, you talk about a luxury to have. Um, but this team doesn't have it. They suck up the middle, which is problemsome, especially since they still have Kenneth Murray, and they did bring in Eric Kendricks to play a little stack linebacker from Minnesota. That should uptick a little bit because Kenneth Murray, their first round pick from 2020. He's working his way out of certainly out of the starting lineup, and if he doesn't, you know, show something, he's going to be he's going to be out of this league. Uh, they they drafted an interesting guy from a small school. I can't remember the school, but Dion Henley. Uh, I think it was either Washington State or even a super small school, like even worse than that. But uh, he, he, there's interesting pieces that they drafted. But again, the majority of the snaps on defense, the majority of the snaps on offense are all the same. So, like I said. This is going to come down to what the offensive coordinator can do from, from Dallas and what Justin Herbert can do. Now, 
Will he? <clears throat> we just talked about Denver and, and all the things we liked about them. We know about KC. We'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> you know, like if Herbert doesn't win this division, I mean, the media will come down on him. It'll be all this like, oh, my God, he can't fucking like I can't even believe he didn't beat fucking Kansas City. Like the one of the best teams, like a, the new New England. But eh, I don't think they will. Oh, man. Now, uh, if he misses the playoffs, then yes, I agree. With you. Well, what if he misses the playoffs winning 10 games? Well, that's a tough look. That's a tough look, but it's not, look. I got them winning ten games. I got them. I got them uh, tied with Denver at ten and seven. Not sure how the, how the you know how the tiebreaker is going to play out. We don't really care about that, but it's a good roster. I expect the quarterback to make a step, especially with a healthy offensive line. But um, I'm going to give the nod to uh, Denver just because I like their roster better. And I like the coach better. So if, if if I was to pick, even though the records are the same, if I was to pick one to put above the other, I I would nod Denver just because I like their coach and their roster better. I actually have them when I went through game by game. I had them splitting as they did last year. So I think that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, now last year, ATS eleven six and one, so really good fucking year. Plus four point four units uh, over under was. Negligible, uh, 52.9% to the under. Want a little money there. Um, probably not worth betting. But uh, last year they scored 391 points. They gave up 384. So they should have been closer to 8-8-1. Eight, 9-8 eight, eight best if they win the coin flip. So definitely some luck factor there. They were one of the worst power-rated teams we've ever had make the playoffs. So definitely, definitely got some luck factor in last year. Now, they're favored in 12 out of... Here's what I found interesting. They're favored in 12 out of 17 games this year. Last year, they were only favored at 9 out of 17 games. So, there was some contradiction from Vegas. So, basically, last year, Vegas said they would win 9 games by the game-by-game favorites and dogs with an over-under set at 10. So, they're basically... They were basically... uh, this year they're saying, sorry, that they're winning 9.7 games and over-under of 9.5. So really last year, Vegas was betting on the under, hoping that the optimism in the market would put all the money on the over. They ended up getting a push. It really didn't matter. This year they're setting a legit line, which also tells me they're expecting some luck regression on that. Now, on the field, like you said, they only lost 84 starts, which is really fucking good in the – NFL year over year, that's a fucking minimal number if you go team by team. On offense, they bring in, like you mentioned, our beloved fat midget, Kellen Moore, as the OC. (laughs) Now, I think this is an upgrade, and for one major reason. Uh, The Chargers were really bad last year in the red zone. They were 18th in touchdown scoring percentage last year in the red zone with a top, I think, six offense. So, awful. If you compare those two numbers. Now, Dallas, over the last two seasons, where the fat midget was, were number six and number one last year in red zone touchdown percentages. So, if the Chargers can match their offensive production yards with points, I honestly think they could be a legit Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Now, the flip side of that, their defense was 16th in DVOA last year. They would... They gave it just slightly worse than average on total points, so basically they were what they were, and that's fine. Again, they 
84 starts, like you said, nothing much changed. I don't see any improvement there, so I think it'll be around the same. So I'll say they give up 370 points. Um, I'll split the difference in the red zone uh, performance relative to where it should be. So I gave them an increase of 6%. So I increased their scoring to 414 points, which puts them right at 9.56 wins. And honestly, I think they're over under hinges on one game. Week three at Minnesota, where they are projected right now minus two and a half point favorites. I think if they win that game, they're staring a five and zero start right in the fucking face. Oh my but god! They, their first four games. Uh, they host Miami. They're at Tennessee. They're at Minnesota. They host Las Vegas, mm. and then they host Dallas after the bye. No, that's Chargers don't. Chargers don't run that. Charger gonna charger. Well, either way, they they could be and should be by the spreads be staring a five and zero right in the face if they can win that game at Minnesota. I think that's their toughest test in the first four weeks. Now, um, here's where here's the rub I had on them. They have a very 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 early buy, which is a big disservice to this team. Their buy is in week five, and you're talking about. The most injured team in the history of fucking NFL football. That is a bad, bad thing. So basically from week five all the way to week 18, they are playing football. So I think that has to be a huge detriment to this team. Again, perennially, one of the most injured teams for whatever reason in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And in the last three weeks, they host Buffalo, they're at Denver, and they host Kansas City. All which right now they're projected to be small dogs. All in all, with the margin being very, I mean, I projected with 9.56 wins. The margin is razor, razor fucking thin. And the fact that they're due some negative luck regression and that early buy, I'm going to put them at 9 and 8. But I will say this if they can beat Minnesota in week three, they can easily be 11 and 6 and be right there with anybody else in this division going to the playoffs and have a chance to actually make some noise. But I'm going to say, like you said, charging or charger, I'll go 9-8 and eight officially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they set them up for a crash and burn late in the year for sure. So they better win at least one of those last three, brutal last three for sure. It is a brutal fucking last three, no doubt about it. All right, we're moving on to our loss. Vegas Raiders. Last year, whoo, they were awesome. Six and eleven. Well under the eight and a half over under. And of course, of fucking course, they would go under the one year we didn't bet them and their luck factor finally kicked them the fucking ass. Ah! Anyway, significant downgrade this year from Vegas. Over under set at seven. Longhorn, what do you got on our Raiders? Yeah, I hate this team so much. I just, I just really hate I just, them. I, I've got a ridiculously long write-up here for no goddamn. I'm not even gonna read it. I'm just gonna go off. I'm just gonna go off memory and and just off the top of the noggin here. I hate this roster. On top of the fact, I hate the way they've because uh, you know teams build rosters specifically for. You know, like a, a scheme or like, does it fit with this? Does, does this play off of this? Well, they fucked it all up because 
uh, you brought in Jimmy G to play quarterback behind an offensive line that sucks. Okay, so Jimmy G with pressure is not the good Jimmy G that you want. Um, and then on top of that, well, when we have seen Jimmy G have success in the past, it's with San Francisco and with New England. Good offensive lines, uh, good good defenses where he can play from the lead and not be a statue in the pocket. Well, good luck with that because this fucking defense is god-awful. So Jimmy G, uh, basically with all these injuries, a statue quarterback, going to be playing from behind all the time, heavy passing situations, heavy third and long situations, with an offensive line that sucks. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't find anything that I liked about this team outside of a few good young players here and there that are sprinkled in. A Max Crosby, a defensive man, one of the better players in the NFL, no doubt. Uh, uh, the safety from, from TCU that drafted a couple years ago, one of the best young safeties in the league, no doubt. Great. Doesn't fucking matter because the rest of the team is garbage. You can nitpick on, you can just find out players here and there on offense. Colton Miller. Really good left left tackle. Fantastic. The rest of the line sucks. Uh, you know, but long story short, this team is going to suck. It's going to suck fast. It's going to suck hard. And the quit in this team is going to set in really early. And uh, we know that Jimmy G is not going to last. So when he gets hurt, you're going to have the likes of Brian Hoyer and a rookie fourth rounder they drafted this year at quarterback. This is going to go real bad. Oh, and by the way, their best player on offense, Josh, J- Josh Jacobs, he's not even practicing. He's holding out. He's trying to get a new deal. This is a disaster. This team has disaster written all over it. Where did I put them at? Let's see what record I put. I gave them five wins. That's probably one too many, but I'll leave it at five. Five and 12 for those Vegas Raiders. Woo! Coming out hot against they're our Raiders. They are fun. They're, they're, they're a terrible roster, and they're built wrong. They're built for disaster. All right, well, uh, Josh McDaniels last year, first year there, 8-9 and nine ATS. He lost 1.9 units there. Again, over-under negligible, uh, 52.9% to the under. So, won a little money, probably not worth your time. Uh, last year, they scored 395 points. They gave up 418. So, that projected out to be around 7-9-1. and one. They lost the coin flip, went 6-11, but they were fucking due for that and so much more. Now, they're only favored in two games this year, preseason, but they have five projected pick'ems. That is the most I've ever seen by far in any of all these years we've been looking at preseason lines. I, it's unfucking believable how many fucking they pick'ems they have. They won't be. Obviously, they won't be, but <laughs> that's the most I've ever seen. Now, that projects out to 7.14 wins. So Vegas is being very consistent there with the over-under of seven. Now, on the field, they lost 122 starts. Not great, but they fucking stunk anyway. So I don't really give a shit about that. Like you said, Jimmy G is the only thing that matters. And two things. Number one, can he stay healthy? Probably not. No. But if he can, he can make a huge difference, especially with Josh McDaniels, his former coach. He knows the system. But primarily, primarily... In the red zone, in red zone productivity, the, the Raiders were awful. And if you ever watch fucking Derek Carr play football, 
I don't know what happens to him in the red zone, but something goes fucking haywire. They were 28th in the league last year in that area. Jimmy G has a career rating of over 100 in the red zone. And the last time he was healthy for San Francisco, they were top five in the league. By the way, they went to the Super Bowl. Overall, I do see some improvement, actually, if Jimmy G can stay healthy. Big if. But this division is goddamn tough. And their schedule's tough, of course, because of it. The best I can get them to is seven and ten. I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna geez. I'm gonna land though six and eleven. That's where I'm gonna officially land. The best I can get it to is seven and ten. So officially I will go six and eleven. I'll take the slot under there. I I don't know, man. I mean, if Jimmy G can stay healthy for all seventeen games, I could see him easily going seven and ten. But you know that won't. You know that I, won't I know it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and even if it did, like, have you ever seen Jimmy G be successful behind a bad offensive line? Mm, no, no. So I don't. I mean, like, even if he is healthy the whole time, like, but but he, the, but he, but he does. If uh, Jacobs will eventually come back, he's got one of the best receivers in the NFL. Now Waller leaving fucking hurts like a motherfucker. But you know they did bring in a couple new tight ends or whatever. So and Jimmy G, you know, he did he did utilize the tight ends of Shanahan's office when he called it. But if they can get that running game going with Josh Jacobs and he comes back and he's fine, I mean they're going to score the ball. They're not going to not score the ball. The real question is, can they fucking stop anybody? Which is one of their big fucking problems. They gave up 418 points last year, so they couldn't. So again, even even if they fucking score what exactly what they did last year you're looking at seven and nine one eight and fucking nine six and eleven somewhere somewhere around in that fucking area so yeah and we've seen we've seen running backs hold out we've seen running backs come off career years when does that ever back up with another amazing year Never. um yeah, so you got to go back twenty years. So yeah, good luck. Good luck, Jacobs. Thirty years, sir. We're real. Whatever. Old. Whatever it is. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on to obviously the class of this division, the class of the NFL, the goddamn Super Bowl champions, those Kansas City Chiefs, fourteen and three last year, well over the over under of eleven. This year, <laughs> Vegas sets the over under at eleven and a half. So basically, boys and girls, Mahomes is getting the Brady treatment right now. Vegas will just keep inching this higher, knowing the squares are going to take the over, and they're going to hope they get lucky and Mahomes misses a few games. By the way, just FYI, New England at its highest was 12.5, 12 and a half games over under in 2017, and they went over that. So good luck, you fucking cockroach fucking motherfucking bookies. Because these motherfuckers are a machine. Longhorn, what do you what, got on the what do you what got on you, the Chiefs? What did you say it was for KC this year? This year it's eleven and a half. God damn it! Okay, you know what? It's just, this is so stupid. This this just shows the Kansas City fatigue. Because I've got a beautiful write up just just laying out how beautifully they draft and all this all this stuff. And my dumbass puts them at eleven and six. I'm not doing it. So I just spoiler alert, I'm gonna bump that up to twelve and five. Cause I'm tired of just fucking tired of being wrong on this team. They're just too fucking good. Uh, so to the write up. When your coach is in the Belichick, weighs five hundred pounds. 
Yeah. Well, when your coach weighs 500 pounds and is in the <laughs> Belichick stratosphere, when your quarterback is in the Brady stratosphere, and your front office runs circles around the New England front office, you got a problem. The NFL has a problem because that means you are close, as close to unbeatable as you can get in this league. Uh, this team, this team is everything New England was with fantastic front office. They draft well. They're one of the better drafting teams. They they plug in free agent spots, little trade spots. Like think about you know Kadarius Tony, who he's always hurt. Doesn't matter. He had a big role in the playoffs last year. Like like these little pickups that they that they do, these draft picks that they do, they're just fantastic. They never fuck up anything. And this year, they did some more of that. Uh, they plugged in some spots at. I'm uh, going down to the roster. They might be getting the fucking all pro running back from goddamn Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I, re- I really don't see that happening. Um, they just. They, they don't need him, but. Right, that's what I'm saying. They don't need him. They got. Uh, <laughs> here it is. They drafted with the first pick, in, or the their first round pick. Who was that? Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's third on their depth chart at running backs. They drafted Pacheco in like the sixth or seventh round. He's their starter. They brought in McKinnon from San Francisco or fucking Minnesota, where the fuck he was bouncing around. He plays a huge role in his offense. So, again, this entire roster is nothing but a beautiful blend of draft picks and free agents. Just go to the offensive line. They, they drafted Humphrey and Smith, Trey Smith, First, excuse me, second round, sixth round. Both starters, both pro bowlers, re- both young, ready to rock. They brought in Tooney, the left guard from New England, one of the best guards in, in the league. They brought in Taylor, right tackle from Jacksonville. They brought in Donovan Smith, left tackle. That that could actually be a question mark because he he looks like his career is on the down path. So if you want to want to point at something that could be a problem, look at left tackle. Look at what they do there. That could be a problem here. Would they need to would they need to put Taylor over at left tackle and maybe fix the right tackle problem? We'll see how that all plays out. But again, they let they let uh Tyreek Hill walk and get the big money elsewhere. Didn't didn't miss a fucking beat. They brought in Tony, they drafted Sky Moore, they got Kelsey, they got Val- Valdez Scanling. They're just a beautiful blend of everything. And this year on the defensive side of the ball, uh they brought in Omenahu from San Francisco. They drafted Carlette. Carloftis last year in the first round. They're expecting big things out of him. Just They brought in Justin Reed from Houston, free agent. They drafted Cook, the other safety, uh, last year. Their entire roster is just the perfect blend of free agency and drafting to go along with, oh, uh, you know, one of the best coaches and best quarterbacks in the league. You know, it's probably an insult putting them at 12 and 5. It was certainly an insult putting them at 11 and 6. That's why I but you know bumped it up to 12 and 5. But yeah, I don't know. What, what what can you say? What do you say about this team, Bill Davis? What do you what do you even do? Well, mostly you lose to them, but yeah. um, you know, it's not always a bad idea to fade them ATS. The last three years, uh, 42% and 20. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've lost or you would have gained 4.1 units. You bet against them. 
they were 50-50, so you'd have lost a unit there. They play with their food. But last year... They do do that. Yeah, they were 45% ATS, so you'd won 3.1 units there. So a good team to fade just because their, their price in the market just gets too fucking high, which you can understand it. So, again, like I said... Every year, Vegas is going to keep bumping up these win totals. Will they get to the 12.5 that New England was at their height? We'll see. But here's what I do know. Last year, they scored a stupid 496 points. They only gave up 369. So that projects us out to a 12-5 record. So they definitely did get quite a bit of the luck factor involved to get to the 14. But even if they didn't, they would have won 12 games, which would have went over the 11 over <laughs> under anyway. Yeah. This year, they are favored in all 17 games preseason. Oh, my God. Last year, they won the Super Bowl. They were only favored in 13. So Vegas has just fucking officially given up. They're like, fuck it. They're favored. We don't care. Whatever. Yeah. So that projects out to 11.39 wins. Again, their over under is 11.5. So Vegas is right on that with both projections. Now, they only lose 90 starts from last year. Again, that is a tremendous number in the fucking NFL. Anything under 100 is fucking fantastic. Now, since Mahomes took over in 2018, he has gone 64-18 and 18 straight up in the regular season. That is 82% winning percentage. That would be just under 14 wins. They have never scored less than 450 points in a season. And last year, after losing the fastest girlfriend or pregnant girlfriend kicker on the planet, they led the league in scoring at 496 points. They have averaged giving up 365 points over the last five seasons. Last year, they gave up 369, so if you project it out, I mean, conservatively, it's 470 scored, 370 against. I think that's a pretty safe, you know, proje- projection that puts them that right at okay. 11 and a half wins. So if you go through the schedule and give them, and I did, I gave them every conceivable loss. I can find five. Yeah. So officially, I'm going 12 and five with the over. As long as Mahomes is healthy, they probably win 13. In reality, maybe 14, who fucking knows. But officially, I will say 12 and 5 because, again, we're living in an, an, an era with a new Brady and yeah. Belichick, and that's they're just going to run this league until they don't. And he doesn't, even when he gets hurt, he doesn't get hurt. I mean, we've seen that guy look like his, his knee bent, his fucking ankle's been bent. He's like he's like Dirk in the, in the NBA. Like, Dirk would just, like, completely turn his ankle sideways. Like, eh, I'm good. Let me limp off him. I'm fine. And it's like, even when he gets hurt, he's not hurt. Like, there's, I mean, it's just, I didn't think we'd see another Brady, New England type run. Uh, I certainly didn't think it would literally come right off the heels of the Brady, New England run. But, yeah, it's here. Yep, it's here and it's real, people. All right, recapping the AFC West. Here's my recap. I've got Kansas City winning the division. Shaka! At 12-5. and I've got Denver. Second place, 10-7. and the LA Superchargers at nine and eight, and then Las Vegas coming in the rear at six and eleven. Six and eleven. 
All right, I have those Chiefs going 12 and a, 12 and 5 seems like an insult. I've got the Chargers somehow. I actually I haven't figured that out all out yet. I got Chargers and Denver going 10 and 7 and Vegas going 5 and 12. How the hell will they ever win 5? <laughs> All right, boys, that, boys and girls, that has been our AFC-NFC recap. Best bets coming at you. All right, Longhorn, it's time for everybody who's been waiting for. It's time for those free, I said free picks of the week, baby. Lay it on. All right, well, uh, after listening to myself in my in my uh, headphones and with my earballs, I'm gonna. <laughs> I think my best. I think my best bet. I was high on the supply in Denver, so why don't I give out Denver over eight and a half? I've got them winning ten. It's that's too big of a delta. Denver over eight and a half. Best bet. I love that. I'll piggyback off of that. So I was thinking the same thing. Denver. I got them winning ten as well. However. Uh, if you bet Denver over the eight and a half, that's minus one ten. Here's my thinking. See if you like this or not. If they win ten games, as we both haven't projected, then I do think that's good enough to make the playoffs. Not a guarantee, but I think it's good enough. So instead of laying the minus one ten, I found a bet that I took today. I took them plus one seventy six to for a yes for them to make the playoffs. So. Instead of laying the minus 110 for 10 games, they win 10 games. I got plus money, plus 176 Denver to make the playoffs on the yes. Yeah, I don't hate that. It's just the AFC is so freaking like it's going to be a dog. Yeah, it's not a guarantee. It's yeah. not a guarantee. But I figured, you know, instead of laying the money, I'll take the I'll take the plus 170, almost two to one on the backside. We'll I'll split see. the unit. Split yeah. the unit up. We'll see what happens. All right, next best bet for me. On the NFC side, I've got those Rams going over the six and a half. Everything that I said in the recap, plus McVay is usually very solid in the division. 23 and 16 straight up since 2017 took over. Last year, they were shitty one and five. If he just gets to three and three, which I think is very doable, that's the two games that you have uh, to add to their last year's record, you're home. So basically, just go 50-50 in division. You got that, the over on the L.A. Rams. Now, in college, I got two preseason College. Number one, those Kansas Jayhawks. Over five and a half wins. I love my boy Jalen Daniels. He shocked everybody but me in college football last year, and he's back to burn it up again, baby. Their offense will be high-flying and high-scoring once again this year. Their defense, was, which was beyond fucking awful last year, has a chance to be just a regular amount of awful this year. So that's plenty good enough They're with their schedule to get six wins. They host Mizzou State, Illinois, BYU, and are at Nevada in the first four. That should be an easy 4-0 start. They get UFC, OU, and Tech at home. They'll win one of those games, if not two, and then they go to Oklahoma State, which is a dumpster fire, and Iowa State, which apparently everybody's getting suspended and uh, their coach might get fired. They'll win one of those. Easy over for the Rock Chalk Jayhawks there, baby. And then, last uh, free pick of the week. Oh, University of Texas. 
minus 109 <laughs> to win the Big 12. This is my biggest bet so far in the preseason. Three unit play, boys and girls, for me mm. here. Texas is back, baby! Whatever that means. They've won one natty in our lifetime, so I've never really understood is the Texas back question. But whatever. The What's logic- a lifetime? Move on. Yeah, our lifetime. Uh, <laughs> the logic here is simple, though. They have the best roster by a million fucking miles in the Big 12. Their fat trailer trash quarterback has lost weight. The quarterback room apparently is having some sort of body fat competition. Uh, he's cut his fucking hair. Uh, and if he's fixed his shitty mechanics and can actually throw down field, which he was one of the worst rated quarterbacks throwing down field last year, uh, boys and girls, Texas is a legitimate natty contender, and there's no doubt about it. But even if he hasn't, and they have to go their giant backup quarterback, or sorry, giant backup quarterback, they're just gonna maul people in the run game, maul them. Their offensive line are fucking mm-hmm. monsters, and since there is no divisions. In the Big 12, they are all but guaranteed to be one of the two top records, is all you have to be, to land land them in the conference championship game right now. So there's not a single team that they wouldn't be more than at least a touchdown favorite in that game. So you can either wait and lay 9.5 to 10 points at minus 110 in the championship game, or you can lay minus 109 today and get a 50-50 shot at winning your money with no fucking point spread involved. And you obviously have a natural fucking hedge spot on the dog once you get to the game, so you guarantee yourself some fucking money. So that is why I bet three units at Texas <laughs> minus 109 to win the Big 12. Go Horns! And before you get to the last one, just let me step in. If you're new to this podcast, go ahead and hit subscribe because you're going to want to check in in about week three or six or nine when the Longhorns lose a game against Tech or fucking <laughs> Oklahoma State or somebody that they should have win. And you're going to want to check in on that fucking tantrum that happens on the other side of this desk because it's going to be epic. Oh, those goddamn horns better not fuck me this year, baby. That was all of the free picks of Longhorn. Hit them with that fabulous website. Oh, that was four? Oh, that's four. I'm bad at counting. That's why you do math. All right, you Glory Hole Seekers, that's going to wrap up another award-winning episode of the Football Glory Hole Podcast. We thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Y'all come back to the sports patio next week, and don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating so we can pay those bills. We give out free picks on our website, on our podcast, and also on our social media platforms so people stop being sports stupid and use them all so that we may become partners for life. And Bo Cephas, it's a new year, but it's still, as always, in a mostly non-sexual way. (laughs) People, stop throwing away your hard-earned money on the guessing game. Let the pros do the heavy lifting. So sign up. Tell a friend. And join in on the fun of watching football, drinking beer, and never pay a bookie again. God damn it, people never pay a bookie again. Steve Vitale, take a sip of it.